Welcome everybody to the Movie Overload podcast. Uh, this is your your movie uh, book club movie club podcast thing that we do when you do a thing and um, your weekly injection of con- casual conversation on a movie you probably haven't seen. We probably have seen. We used to or have seen. It's going to get to where you probably have seen it, but we're, we're getting there. A lot of these other ones that we've done before, you probably well, a lot of these are seen. famous movies. Depending on who you are, if you're like yeah. a friend of ours, you probably have. Yeah, <laughs> depending on which friend type type you are, which friend type, which friend type are you? I like I Which friend type? I almost Night. just said a slur. No, <laughs> just <kidding>. the. <laughs> I almost just called them normies. Oh. <laughs> if can you're I, the normal, can I, can I call type? our listeners normies to their ears? I mean, sure. It's up to them, really. I mean. <laughs> They know themselves. They know if they're a normie or not. It's okay <laughs> to be a normie. Some people can be at peace with being normies. I don't know what I'm saying. Carry on. Also, if for some reason you're like a family member and you're listening to this, hi. Um, oh, I'm sorry that this has been shared with you. <laughs> this is probably not something you're going to enjoy. Yeah. I know that you, like, maybe you want to support us and <laughs> yes. stuff, but like. Just leave it playing, it, but like go do something. It else. might hurt you. I'm just yeah. warning you now. Um. We also used to do like an intro. Do you remember when we had like a consistent intro that like yeah. one person would do and it was like written well and then all of a sudden I just decided I don't care. It's okay. I, just, I, don't, I don't care. Um, by the way, we should introduce ourselves like, before no. saying our... Oh, I choose to remain anonymous. Okay, an- anon. <laughs> Famous hacker no group Anonymous joins no. us today. <laughs> Wait, this backfired in multiple ways. I'm Hunter. Okay. I'm Aiden. Uh, and I'm Chicken Brent again. Chicken and, uh, Brent. I'll be Chicken Anna's Brent. Anna's off traveling the country buying snazzy poetry books and being awesome. Can't yeah, she's it, always so. doing that shit. It's fine. Cool. Also, we should get a few things out of the way just right out the offset because I feel what? like that's something that we should do yeah. a little bit more regularly. Um, fuck Woody Allen. Yeah. Sure. Um, fuck Roman Polanski. Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, Ryan Gosling fucks. Yeah. I want to bring that back. True. Uh, you can try. Uh, Orson Welles is Pod Daddy. Um, and watch Grand Illusion. Okay. So Compelling. now that we've said all of those things <laughs> from the offset, I feel Shoot. like maybe now we're in a space that we can really dive into the film. Um, uh-huh. Mike Nichols, The Graduate, the Graduate. from a year. I believe it was a year, 19... I think you're right. 68. should confirm that, because I'm going to have to write it down when I post the podcast. So uh, Letterboxd says 67. 67. Which I think okay. is the same year sense. as our previous. Bonnie. Yeah, that's that's why I was getting... I was like, well, yeah. there's so many 67s, and I know we have a 69 as our next one. Oh, do we? Isn't it? Oh, really? Is our next one 2001? Probably. 2001. Yeah, I, I think that's next. Yeah. Oh, that's anyway, nice. what I'm saying is that it sucks to be us and not know the exact year of every single film. Like, imagine being as brain dead <laughs> as I am. I'm so embarrassed. Oh my God, it is 2001. And it came out in 68. <laughs> you fool. You fell for it. I'm quitting. However, I'm Harold quitting and Maude, 1971. 
I knew that. We don't have any movies from 1969. What even is the point of doing this anymore? I was fucking wrong. I lied. And none of this has anything to do with the movie we're actually talking about today. (laughs) It has everything to do with (laughs) The Graduate. A film about a kid driving a car that is nice that we would never have now. It feels very of its time in a lot of ways. It's interesting. And And then the thing where like... They're at the like drive-in Sonic-y place, and they like are given like full trays of food that and stuff. Fun. <laughs> it's and it bonkers. Has little it's little sticks that like help yeah. it like sit yeah. on the edge of the car yeah. and stay level. It's insane. It's chill when you just casually are in a convertible and you can just like, oh, the guys around me are annoying. Let's just pull up the <laughs> yeah hood. Which is it's honestly, crazy. It, they kind of had that in Bonnie and Clyde too, where they're like the mm. guy with. You know, they're like, oh, do you want to do you want to join us? Um, True. Whatever his name was. CW. You know, yeah, CW. CW. Yeah, and then they just like pull up an extra seat out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, they just <laughs> open the back and there's just a that. chair there. And you're Jeez. like, that's why. Why did we? Like, wha- <laughs> what have we done to cars in the last like fifty years to make them this much less interesting? I mean, we've technically made them more safe. True. Safety schmafety. <laughs> Because like I want it to be cool. They're so cool. And the thing is you could bump into somebody with those cars and you wouldn't get a massive fucking dent. No, but you That's would true. have right. a higher possibility but of you would die. breaking but yeah. yourself. <laughs> See, that's right. the sad bit, is like, oh man, my car would be so much more indestructible itself, but I would die. But sometimes doesn't that seem preferable when you get into some little scrape and you're like, now my door looks like this all the time or whatever. And it was fine. Uh-huh. And it didn't affect me at all. I, yeah. like, at least my body can sort of heal itself within yeah. within limits. Uh-huh. My car cannot. And I, I, and I, I don't mean this in, in entirely. Yes. I, Obviously this is, this is in jest. Don't because get into car I, because they and even still they can be very dangerous yes. i did just have a friend yeah. who was in a car accident and it was not oh, yeah. it oh was very 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 much not okay yes um but she but she's okay okay good um which is which is a relief and honestly i kinda, was in, the entire week was in a tailspin but i was in a much more minor car accident and i'm totally yeah, fine mm-hmm. but it was funny because i got to see the proof of the front of the car being crumply because mm-hmm. your car did a crumble may have rear-ended a person and the back of their car totally fine the front of my car a little obviously banged up Ooh. yeah there's a little crumply on there little, it just kind of hurt yeah but like it's just it was like oh it's probably because the front of my car is more susceptible by design to that kind of thing than yeah the back of the car yeah that's interesting anyway. i'm i'm yeah I'm very thankful that we've done this to cars. But at the same time, when it's a very minor situation, you're like, I would rather all the cars be fine, too. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Hello, late-stage capitalism. I can heal, but my stuff, my stuff's important to me, damn it. Yes. Where's my self-repairing nanomachine car? Oh, see, that's what they should... 
Did you, okay, that's something that they've done with cars is they've they've added uh, in-app purchases to cars. Uh, have you heard about what? that? No. Yeah, that's like the thing with Teslas. There that. are features oh. that are locked behind paywalls oh. that exist oh. in your car, um, but that you need to pay extra yeah. for uh, to unlock my, with my fucking Musk. phone. My dad pays for the service where you can remotely start the car, mm-hmm. like from your phone or something. Yeah, and that's like an add-on pay service and like that's so dumb it's evil (laughs) should not they keep it'll keep happening until you have approximately like all of your income is going to different kinds of services that like are five bucks a month two bucks a month ten bucks a month which again and then they'll slowly increase the rates and there's so many of them that that's where they get you like yeah if they produce a digital future where you can't own anything they can just True. suck your money out of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which again, just ignites that part of my brain. And it that costs I was like, nothing. I was like, yeah, right. For, for, for them, them, it's nothing. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, but we could charge people money for it. And it's been going that way for a long time. But again, it, it breaks up that part of my brain that I tweeted about yesterday being like, there's all these things that just like, like I was talking about like apps and services and stuff where they just like nickel and dime you for just mm-hmm. basic mm-hmm. functionality. And I'm like, just... You want to be able to view a PDF? Yeah, like there's but like there's nothing stopping people. I think from just making ones that do it all for free. Yeah. So like, what if like there are that open source something? Yeah, for sure. Like there's definitely ways to just do things that certain people charge money for, and, and just, then like, they'll be like, make hey, them for free. It's like donate. Yeah, well, like it's fine. But it's but better. Like, but like if you, I just like the idea of like making something like that and being like, I'm okay. I don't need this to be a source of money and profit. So I'm putting it out there as a service mm-hmm. for free. And if you don't want to pay for someone else's thing that lets you do basic features, you can just use this one for free. Proof to all you capitalists, capitalism <laughs> doesn't produce better products. Yeah. People produce better products. Right. Capitalism gives us microtransactions and <laughs> fucking paywalls yeah. on our cars. Yes, but I, I that just... line from the UHF. Guns don't kill people. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Interesting. Anyway. But yeah, I really let just like the idea of providing products and services without a profit incentive because yeah, that makes me happy as the anti-capitalist that I am. Yeah. <laughs> See, welcome to this podcast. If you're family members, we've probably already proven <laughs> we, why you won't enjoy those. I, I was like thinking about putting a disclaimer in the description of the last episode of, or some comment about being like, we confirm our politics beyond shadow of a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how much this is going to stay in because we keep getting off topic, but it was fun. Well, with the way it's going right now, we're never going to get on topic. True. Okay. So this is a movie about it's very i was weird. trying to explain so my sister sent me this this is my way of getting on a topic trust me my sister sent me this instagram account that she liked and she thinks it's really funny and uh and and his his bio is like i don't know something like art milf or something <laughs> and, okay and i thought that that was funny and and i i don't know it, okay it, it was funny and and I had to semi-explain to Mirren what that slang term means. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, oh, you, I don't know. You, you probably don't really want to look that one up. 
Um, it's not that big a deal. But it's like it's something that kind of everybody you know right, uses that term yeah. in lots of different yeah. ways. Oh, oh no, no. <laughs> this it was actually his his bio is better than this because he he does these drawings of this frog that he calls Frag. Okay. Frag. I've seen Frag. Yeah. And his bio is absolute milf that make Frag happen. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I've seen Frag. And it's very funny. Nice. Cool. Uh, anyway, so this is one of those movies that I guess in the future you could use to explain to your sister who doesn't know what a milf is. And oh, you could just okay. say, the graduate, I guess. Graduate? I guess so. Well, that's sort of like, <laughs> this movie has a massive cultural legacy, yeah. and I go back to it after hearing the songs, seeing the shots, hearing people talk about it, and actually watching the thing, and I'm like, what? It's a movie. <laughs> what exactly is it? I don't it know. It makes me uncomfortable, actually, is, and that's what everybody told me it would do. But I'm going to sound like this for the rest of the episode because <laughs> I the, I was sitting in the car when I was driving here and my face was just blank and I was just, my mind was going at like a hundred miles an hour and I was like, I don't know. I, I don't I, know. I really, yeah. Like, I just don't know what to make of it. Like, it's I the just boomeriest don't, shit. I just don't know what the point of it all is. It's like the it, most boomer it, shit. I will say it did entertain me. I think like... It's well I mean, made. He, yeah, it's well made. It has a editing lot of pretty shots. Slaps. The editing is interesting. Yeah, like the performances are like pretty good. But like, I'm just like, I don't know what I was supposed to like. And not that I need to get something out of it, I guess. But I'm just like, it did leave me being like, uh, okay, that all happened, I guess. Well, after seeing this, I totally buy that Mike Nichols and Elaine May were in a comedy troupe together, and that's how they started off. Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen any Nichols and May sketches, although now I really need to go back and see that. But I recently, because of blank check, be- better podcast than this, go check it out. We don't need the views. <laughs> uh, they, they did a breakdown uh, of Elaine May's films, uh, and they're these really kind of caustic comedies of manners like it really reminds me of the heartbreak kid which is about this dude who gets married because he wants to have sex then realizes he doesn't like the woman he's married to at all and then has an affair with this uh random college girl who uh by the end you realize it's going to end the exact same way and i know you pointing at person whose uh current name eludes me um frag frag okay frag uh frag recently watched uh mikey and nikki which movie. is is not it's it's her only film that's not really a comedy. It's kind of sad, actually. Well, it, it is. Well, and that's the thing. All of these movies: The Graduate, uh, A New Leaf, Heartbreak Kid, Mikey and Nikki. They all are. They have really like fun sort of energy. Like you can get why people were really into this and had a fun time, but all of them are sad movies about people ruining their lives. Except for <laughs> maybe a new leaf. It's it's mm. sort of not about people ruining their lives, but it's pretty much about. Yeah, no. The fascinating thing is, it definitely feels pr- proto slash like it feels like the beginning of of new Hollywood style mm. mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, but it also has a lot of the like fuck kind of energy <laughs> 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 the, of what of like 
the this like 60s like death of hollywood feeling mm. you know what i mean that a lot of the other stuff we've covered has where there's just yeah. something about like i don't know what to do anymore everything kind of sucks and i feel weird about everything that's the sense that i get yeah. even from like bonnie and clyde and 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 before that and then the new new hollywood i feel like starts to get a little bit brighter as it mm. also deals with darker themes but like, yeah. I mean, it doesn't help that both this and Bonnie and Clyde are basically like existential crisis movies, right? Well, where you're like, I don't true. have purpose in the world. I am going to do something uh, crazy and or not. I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm going to do something that society doesn't agree with, but seems to be screaming at me to do, and then gets very disappointed in me when I do it. Yeah, I, I oh man, I. <sighs> But I think the boomer shit comes from the like the ending of this film, which I guess I will spoil now. Yeah, but we are a spoiler podcast. At the end, he like storms to Elaine's yeah wedding, and they like run away together. And I'm like, like right after it's like officially over. Yeah, like they yeah. immediately get married, and then he then they run yeah. away. Yeah, uh, and man, like something about that. And maybe it's just like my personal like family's history or something like that. But I'm like, I feel like this happened a lot. Like, is this <laughs> is this something that just happened a lot during that era? But like, but like, it, you know, it's all like a lot of couples that I know or or whatever from from that time just kind of got married or like yeah, just yeah. kind of ran away together That's or true. just you know, just kind of got stuck together and it just like happened like that. Like the entire time he's just like, like obviously they're weird. Obviously he's kind of by the end of the film, really creepy and not okay. And he just is stalking her. And then is just kind of like, are you going to marry me? When are you marrying me? Are you going to marry me where you're marrying me? And then he he comes in, he he like beats up and they like, and explaining it to his parents. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go marry her. And they're like, oh, wow, that's so cool. And he's like, she doesn't know yet. They're she like, doesn't Why? Even like, like me. Yeah, we haven't talked about it. She doesn't like me. And I haven't asked her anything, but it's going to happen. And it's, it's like, uh, and it's like, okay. But I feel like I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. Like that just feels like that era. Like, doesn't yeah. that feel like how all of our grandparents met? Either was like, that, I was going to say, we were talking about that on the last episode, right? That was it. Some of our, somebody, was it, I think it was my, your family? That was my grandparents. Whose family was, yeah, yeah. Being like walking in and being like, who's your blonde waitress or something? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to marry that one. And then they did. Like, it all just feels okay, like that. Yeah. Like it, it moves in a sense, so fast. Everybody's has, like, mad at him, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. But at, in the same sense, he's sort of still allowed by society. The toxic masculinity is still kind of allowed to exist. And, and, and he sort of gets what he wants well this the is end. the thing that, that reminds does not happen me now. so much of elaine may because all of her protagonists are people that we are supposed to root for but we are also supposed to hate they're specifically hate people who are doing the wrong thing and are unlikable and so like the very this strikes me again sort of in like that fight club mold where it or like the Romeo and Juliet mold where it is a satire it is a bad example that you aren't supposed to follow that is taken at face value sort of by a lot of people i mean the most common thing that you hear about this movie is that the ending's actually sad because when they look at each other after driving away they realize 
oh shit, what did I just do? Yeah. This isn't going to turn out well and at it all. it literally right? plays Hello Sick. Nurse. So yeah. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. Yeah, I remember like watching that final shot and like thinking his look seems mostly like fine, but she, like Elaine is like, oh God. Oh, he is oblivious as all hell. <laughs> it's just, they just, yeah. uh, it's, it's interesting. It's just so weird. It is. Yeah. It's, this kind of thing can happen in in this magical world of the 60s i guess <laughs> the early 70s as well yeah i mean it, i feel like this is not too far away from reality oh no so it it feels very tapped into this this ennui uh ben the main bloke gets back from graduate school and everyone's like congratulating him. And it's like, what are you going to do? And they're like, Oh, you should just chill out. And then after he's chilled out for a couple weeks, they're like, you need to do something with your life. Just do anything. I don't know. Have an affair with my wife. <laughs> no, don't have it with my wife. But you know, like it definitely seems like I'm telling you to have an affair with my wife right now. There is like this feeling when he's receiving all this praise and stuff that feels performative, especially from the men. Oh, yeah. That are like some guy, like what is it? He like forgets the name of the school or something, in, and he's in the house and he's trying oh. to leave, and he c- comes <gasps> across this dude, and he's like, "Ah, oh, yeah, from the, 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 the butt school," and he's like, "It's the, the bum school, actually, or something." You know. <laughs> and then both times mm-hmm. when Mister Robinson is pouring him a drink, he's like, "Ah, right, you want scotch?" <gasps> and he's like, "No, I'll take bourbon," and he just keeps pouring the scotch. Well, Mister Robinson like, <laughs> actually forgets his <laughs> he forgets name his at his one name. point. Yeah, that's yeah, probably, yeah. that's probably what I'm. He has to tell of. him his name is. Ben. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably what I'm thinking of. But like, yeah, it's like they like it does like make this weird disconnect of them being like, Oh yeah, I'm your friend and I've known you for a long time and we're I want to support you and praise your accomplishments and then they like can't even keep the simple stuff straight and, and interact with them normally. It's just how aimless and weird it is. Yeah. It reminds me of um this really good book that is probably the least well <laughs> known and least interesting book by one of the best authors <laughs> um, very far away from anywhere else by ursula k Le Guin. Le Guin. Uh-huh. Le Guin's great and that best author of the 20th century no is, take backs yeah, that's good i like that i'll take it <laughs> nice. but it's it but it's that move that like she does a lot of sci-fi she does a lot of fantasy whatever mm. this is like a hundred page like proto YA coming of age novel <sighs> that you could read in that. one sitting. It's like a pamphlet huh. and it's about this kid who's like trying to think of his college plans and he like is kind of interested in this girl and then he kind of screws it up and it's, it's just kind of nothing happens, but it's all just kind of all over the place. And there's just this like, it's very much like white male privilege on we, mm. And that's it. Mm. And it feels like this movie. And I don't remember where I was going to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> a lot of this movie is just the prison of having no actual problems, but like being yeah. forced to like conform right. to you need a, you need a job, yeah. you need a wife, you need to have kids. You need to follow this hetero timeline that. Mm, yeah. No, no, that that's the that's the thing. Yeah. I think is is 
it feels like everything just happens. They just get married. They just whatever. And it feels very sudden to us because it's all about the expectation of doing these things. And that like, we kind of see the other side of that now, like, you know, seeing grandparents or, or whoever it is. That's like, we've been married for 50, 60 years Mm -hmm. and we knew each other for like a second before we got married and all this stuff. The, it, it, yeah, it's it's wild because it's not about what people want to do. It's about what they have to do in a weird way. And that is kind of foreign to us now, right? Because uh, aren't extent, we a bit yeah. more like societally just kind of free to do the thing that whatever it is that you're wanting to do. And if you find yeah. some sort of success and happiness in the thing that you do, that's chill. At least, at least on the surface. Yeah. yeah. Like I think there's still the undercurrents of the past traditions and stuff that right. still hold a lot of yeah. sway. And but there's also lives, a lot like, of people who don't care about exactly. That, like no. I personally feel very separate from all that. Like I'm at this point, like I will probably never get married just cause I don't want to like, that's right. not a, tradition that holds any value in my mind and i'm just like i don't see the 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 point of it like i still want to be in like that kind of relationship with someone but i just don't see value in the marriage part specifically mm-hmm. sure. so, and other stuff like that it's just like eh, whatever right i don't know if that's what we're talking about well yeah well it is yeah <laughs> okay. because because that we're things we're able to kind of easier take our own time yeah. with things or or kind of explore what we want to do and there's not like as much com- as many competing voices, if mm. that makes sense. The voice is your voice, sort of. Yeah. Which has its its positives and negatives, but it's weird to watch this example of this movie, right? Because he starts off the movie being very much like, "I'm just I was doing the thing that I was told to do, and now I <laughs> yeah. don't have people yeah. telling I, me to do things, I, I and I guess like I'm going to do what mm. this other person is telling me to do, I, and everybody <laughs> seems to be telling me to do this thing, and then also it's very bad, and everybody hates me now, and uh, and and maybe this is a thing that I want to do, and nobody wants me to do this thing, but I want to do this like, thing, and I'm going to continue destroying <laughs> my life because uh, I want to do this thing now. There's so much of that awkward comedy just coming from him being yeah. just so unassertive and so like unassuming and not like wanting he he wants to be so inauspicious that he becomes like really really weird and like ah like that whole scene when (laughs) he goes to the hotel for the first affair mrs (laughs) robinson (laughs) and he's he's like i i have you got the room yet uh no no do, do you want to get the room now i uh, sh- sure sure right like, like right now right now yeah. and he goes over there and he gets so <laughs> flustered that he's like i'll just have a room for oh, me man. uh i i have bags out in the car but i don't need them i'm just gonna bring my suitcase i'm gonna go get my suitcase i'm and then goes to call her in the bar yeah. like five meters uh, away my favorite part of uh, all that was that he, eventually he like turns around on the luggage part and he's like that's actually just a toothbrush. Just he, a I was toothbrush. like, oh, he's probably making this up because like he just would have like not brought anything and he's like, oh, well, I have a thing, but it's not something you need to help me bring in. But he actually has a toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> and he's brushing his teeth. I'm like, oh, he thought this through. Like he he brought the one maybe most critical thing to have for an overnight stay somewhere. Yeah. A well, I, I, I read it as being like very <laughs> neurotic. Like yeah. I want everything to be all right. Sure. Oh, I, I don't want to have bad breath. That's true. <laughs> I, <Not> true. <laughs> I think it's, 
<laughs> it's just weird because I got the sort of the impression that he the whole reason he's kind of doing any of this is sort of because Mrs. Robinson was sort of telling him to, right? Like, oh, right. okay, I'll, yeah, yes, I'll the, get the I mean, yeah. Every interaction with her that he has, like in the, her house and in the hotel, like you were saying, is him her being like, do this, and him being like, I don't know if I should do that, and her pushing again, and then he gives in. Like that happens over and over again. Yeah, and like just or he he's doesn't... like, we can't do this. It's terrible. You're yeah. the worst, and right. uh, this all sucks. And then just very instantly, he like changes because she kind of convinces him otherwise right yeah yeah right. like he it would not have done anything like that but like she came to him and it, and it's weird because like despite the fact that he, in a weird way he doesn't have much agency and isn't really making his own choices it changes him and yeah. like it it does have a negative effect on him and and he becomes he does change as a person he becomes more assertive uh, but I don't, like in a it's this, negative direction yeah. He does. I'm not sure if it's exactly due to that. I think like once he actually starts just doing doing the things and going through the motions, he starts to finally come into himself and himself is an asshole yeah. that yeah. no one wants I, to be around. Makes, I, I like yeah, that's he probably asks a more just valid reading. Horrific <laughs> questions. That's his main character trait after he like starts asserting himself more. He just asks the the most weirdly like just just clawing questions yeah like uh where did hey mr robinson i want to talk before we have the affair this time cool yeah. i i want to i want to get to know you better okay uh what were you before oh why, why did you get married to your husband oh you had a baby uh yeah. where did you have sex yeah. to have the baby <laughs> what kind of car, car was what yeah, specific weird. type of car oh is a ford it was a ford <laughs> like I, I felt like his original position was sort of relatable as someone who not as recently graduated college and has also felt very floaty in yeah. life and mm-hmm. like not sure what I'm doing and who is sort of naturally kind of awkward around people, mm-hmm. especially being in that party scenario. I was like, I would also want to mm-hmm. get away and be alone and not around people. But then, yeah, it turns into this weird thing. Her, and then it does, yeah. it, I wondered if it was feeling weird that it was sort of a thing that was like, sex equaling confidence and maturity yeah which was kind of odd i don't it know did, if that's entirely i think how to well i don't know if it was entirely that some of that might have been i was as i was thinking i was worried that they were going to fall into some kind of stereotype of like the corrupting woman type yeah. thing and i don't feel no. like they did that because it's by the end no because i feel like it's very much he he was choosing to Go yeah everything and like it's it's as much yeah. his part as it was hers yeah it's 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 interesting it, but like mm. well also like i think i think your your reading of like he becomes a little bit more confident in himself and he's just kind of an asshole and that's yeah. that's who he is deep down mm-hmm. makes more sense of that it's it's because yeah. it, it did feel like she isn't exactly being blamed in in the way that you would think would happen in a movie like this like you would think it would be some kind of weird slut shamey situation although that seems to be the way that and like that he would be a little bit more celebrated huh. yeah yeah like culturally that's kind of the legacy but i don't feel like that's huh. but what that's not does. the character like yeah. i feel like he's kind of the problem a bit more well, kind of and she's, like i feel like she's like she's not great she's, she she seems neglected 
Like she makes yeah. some remarks about her husband like not being around and not being satisfied. And then it's right? kind of so then you like, kind of oh, see this well, like fault of Mr. Robinson and that he's like yeah. saying here you should go like have a f- an affair you should do all yeah. this other shit that's what i would right. be doing Just sort of around, and yeah. then oh wait it's it's with it's with my wife the person <laughs> that i've neglected and that i don't care about well that's mine yeah which is uh anyway yeah. so i do i do feel like there's an aspect to which it, it can be read as as calling out some things but it's also just ultimately i think what makes this film upsetting for me is that it is definitely all very like murky and it it isn't in any way kind of just black and white and clear. It's just everything kind of goes wrong and you don't really like anything that's going on and there's no real hero and there's no real villain. And it's just, everybody's just like, Oh man. Yeah. Uh, Stare into the nihilism and let it feed you. It's that's what this movie is. I, and but it has some like good long like takes and mm-hmm. some shots yep. and it uses lots of Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I saw someone comment about like uh, some letterbox review about mentioning that like one of the songs played like repeatedly, like all in a row. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, they do play some version of Scarborough fair, like five times in a row. I think it works. It, it it's just it's like, really interesting. Oh, yeah. well, it's a driving montage when he's going yeah. to Elaine's college. And then they also play Sound of uh, Silence three times. Once at the beginning, once at the end, and once during the sleeping with sleeping Mm -hmm. around montage. Yeah. That was interesting. Yeah. That, yeah, like that whole montage when when they first do it. Wild and Mm. fascinating. Yeah. (laughs) What got me (laughs) is so much stuff. Every time it would like cut to his face and he's always sitting against some sort of black background Mm -hmm. and you don't realize that it's a transition until it pulls out or like Mm. cuts or something and then you're and then the the cuts are so seamless that's the thing that makes it work so well is that like the continuity however they did it i really i really am curious like the sequencing and everything because it they're it's seem there aren't seams you there isn't like a jump cut sort of thing where he moves slightly He's just always there, and like the world seems to move around him, and he's just completely mm. disconnected. Yeah, yeah. They they do. There's a lot of really good transitions. I, I think the only cut that like felt very obvious that like wasn't supposed to be there was when he like dives. Uh, you know, uh, and you like it's like from first person perspective, and then he goes oh, underwater in and the scuba can, suit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In okay. the scuba suit. Uh, uh, yeah. What I don't know. I I didn't notice the cut there. Okay. Well, it, when he transitions to actually like go underwater, you could tell oh. that they like switch it. Interesting. Oh. At least I could. I don't know. I didn't uh-huh. see it. I I didn't think that it actually did. I thought that was just the transition between like the air and the water, because the perspective changes so much because you're shooting mm. through water. Mm. Right. Well, I know that that. Yeah. I don't know. It looked like it was a cut to me. Probably. Despite that, but. Yeah. But it worked but like, because of that flow. Anyway, but like, I do feel like the transitions are yeah. really smooth. Yeah. I really, a lot of things. I also enjoyed um, when he's following Elaine around campus and she goes into a, a classroom and you hear like yeah. bell ring and the door closes. She goes in and everyone else goes into their rooms down the hall and he's just kind of standing at the door like having asked a question that she didn't answer and then it cuts to a different angle of him still at the door and then the bell ringing again and they come out and it's uh-huh. like, 
dude stood there the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, fun. he's so creepy. Yeah. In the really, stalking really section. I don't but, yeah. fucking like that guy. The, I don't like anybody like, in this movie. How and did he win her over? That's the bit. But he that, stalked her? That was my... And then nagged her. When I was, and it worked. But I just when I was like saying that like... That sorry. The editing plays with space and time. Yeah. It's oh, just, yeah. It's very fun. The the way that, that toxic masculinity is in a weird way um, rewarded. Yeah. Like, like that, that Elaine still decides to kind of go with him anyway. Right. Despite the fact that he has done... Like apart from that first date when he seemed like he was somewhat okay, maybe like, he's done absolutely nothing good. And I he's feel like been only bad. I feel like that whole final bit, like once she enters the picture, feels almost like dreamlike and just like it doesn't make any sense. It like, does a bit. He goes on yeah, like half dream. of a good date with her, uh-huh. and then that you know goes bad later when he tries to see her again the next day. Yeah, and then some time passes and she sees the carl guy uh-huh. at the zoo the once and then he follows her to campus and he's like i want you to marry me and she's like oh maybe and then finds out that she's marrying carl mm-hmm. who i guess she's still only had one date with like i don't know how much they're not Was telling like me some textually. family friend or? i guess so i don't know it just it all happens oh. very like quickly the, it, the only thing that scans for me <laughs> is that it's like both of them tr- attempting rebellion mm. by True. just doing what their society requires of them, like kind of accidentally. Yeah, but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, there is there is that moment like when when Elaine is like considering when he's like yelling her name, and there's those shots of her like yeah. looking around and seeing the silently yelling faces of her parents and Carl, and then being like, "Fuck you guys, I'm out of here." Yeah, so like it does feel like it's pushing against yeah. what was already happening. I mean, if I were Elaine, I would not go with him. I would get a restraining your order. Team, your team Carl. Is that what you're saying? I'm not team Carl. <laughs> no. But I would get a restraining order. <laughs> well, and yeah. pretty much instantly. Honestly, like the ending bit where she runs away is the bit that that kind of felt the best to me because imagine your family just suddenly organizing a wedding with a guy you've gone on dates a couple dates with uh at a random church keeping it all (laughs) like very hidden and undercover and it being just so fast and so out of your control and then this guy comes up he's like elaine i love you and you're like i need freedom from this this is like suffocating my family has so much control over me i feel so powerless yeah maybe it's the societal expectations uh, to get married and to do all those things that forces people to do that to be free of those expectations and then they're fulfilling those expectations but they're also miserable because they made hasty choices and that's the entire generation (laughs) <laughs> well, and I feel like the movie sort of implies that going into the future, they're going to become their parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, they're both going to end up in an unsatisfied marriage where he's constantly looking back at his life and wishing that he lived better. And every 20 year old he sees, he's like, you need to go have an affair. You need to just like live your life and enjoy it while you can. And she's just going to be up in the room like we, we sleep in separate beds. He doesn't even know if I come or leave. He doesn't care about me anymore, except maybe if he hears that I'm having an affair, he'll pay, pay attention to me. Right. Yeah. 
Hmm. Fun times. I, there's definitely lots of things to say about this movie, and I don't know how to say it in a structured way. <laughs> <laughs> As this podcast proves. Right. Like, I don't, but yeah, it's interesting, I don't and I feel like it does say something about society. Society. But also, in general, it's just uncomfortable and, like, yeah, not a great time for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's funny. It's nice to look at. I liked dis dis cinematography sometimes. There's some good cinema. I liked in there. that. I liked that early tracking shot of him walking down the hall, mm-hmm. and it stops as he kind of turns to go somebody to somebody else, and you just snap right onto Mrs. Robinson in the background, uh, like hanging out in that chair, and then it just keeps going, and he just yeah. keeps walking. And I was like, there are a lot of really great. That was moments. smooth. Like you can mm-hmm. see why this mm-hmm. caused such a stir when it was released. Mm-hmm. Like the visual style of it, uh, it seems to like have really connected with people who who are feeling like this ennui at the time. Mm-hmm. So it has that emotional connection. It has some like more revolutionary and like new uh, visual ideas that it was playing with. First person. This is the first time we've yeah. seen first person on this list. It might be mm-hmm. the only time, but yeah. Mm-hmm. It, no, yeah, I feel like there were maybe some. There have been that, earlier films like that have utilized like first-person perspectives, but right. we haven't covered any what of them. Yeah, the, there was something where I, what was it that we watched? Where there was something, there were shots in there that felt like almost first-person, where it felt like it was almost from the person's perspective, but like a little bit to the side. I would think maybe like I can't Maltese Falcon or Citizen know. Kane or something. I might be making that up. It might have been something else. Carry on, but anyway, or. Mm, I want to say Passion of Joan of Arc almost, but I don't no, think there's more probably reason. anything. Well, there is some stuff in Passion of Joan of Arc when she's first like walking down the corridor into like the thing. You're just walking by the people's faces, and it kind of gives the impression instead right. of like explicitly being eyes because he's in a right. scuba suit. And That's you're looking the thing through that, it. that right. feels yeah. interesting yeah. about it. It's yeah, it's very obviously yeah, like yeah from him. It has the, uh, mm. I mean. Didn't Rear Window use like the binoculars? Like, oh yeah, they did. They did do that. So yeah, that's a good point. It 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 has some precedence before, but it is a. It feels like a new way to do it. It's and if it's not new, it's just interesting in an interesting way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I like how you could pretty much say anything about about movies, and then there's there's enough precedent, and there's enough whatever evolution in the way the art is made that ultimately the more you have the more experience you have of anything you go from either saying this is the best to well this is interesting or this is the first to it's interesting and ultimately (laughs) there's just (laughs) there's nothing to say about anything because it's all just interesting it just it works or it doesn't work or it's fine or it's not fine yeah it's done been done before Mm -hmm. um even like something like wizard of oz you know, like we watch it in context that we have and it's not like, you know, you hear lots of people think it's like the first color film and it that's yeah. why. And it's like, well, it actually for black and white to color. No, well, it's sepia and, and, and well, there's been color films before and well, mm. it's fine. It's just interesting. It just stands out. Yeah. Y'all <laughs> really hate it on Wizard of Oz. Yeah. If you were on that episode, you would have been a dissenting voice, I'm yeah. sure. But, um, but it's I don't a chill know. Movie. I don't it's get like hating that. You know, it's good. I don't hate it. I just it's just it wasn't particularly it. fun for me. <laughs> hey, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. You don't like flying monkeys very much. Oh, I do like flying monkeys. monkeys. <gasps> I forgot color. the monkey shots in the movie. Because in the zoo, when they <gasps> monkeys, leave him, yes. there's like that shot of like the two monkeys like yeah. hanging two out. Monkeys. And then the like over the shoulder zoom to the yeah. one bigger monkey just like hanging out alone. Just, and I was like, just monkey. Eaten. Well, that's you big monkey. That's big the monkey. thing. I did. I think it's pretty explicit uh, that we're not supposed to like Ben yeah. because there's constantly like visual parallels between like that where he's like, no, it's just like a monkey that dropped his banana. And that's him. That's who Ben <laughs> is in the scene. He's a monkey who dropped his banana <laughs> who feels like he's in a cage. Oh, uh, man. I, I almost want to like revoke everything that I said in this podcast, like just suck it all back into my brain and then just just the one phrase is just like i don't know fuck ben we could add that to the list of fuck woody allen sure. fuck ben fuck guido, fuck guido yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just i don't just nothing okay i don't want to talk about although it does strike me as like a similar sort of movie to eight and a half where it's it's a movie that has a male character doing bad things relating to like the women in their lives and the there is a certain lack of clarity to the the perspective of the filmmakers the storytellers that that uncertainty seems to be very unpalatable to you right yeah no i don't like it yeah it mm. actually i opened letterboxd uh-huh. just as you said that and the first review on my list is a review for eight and a half and this review could be either about eight and a half or the graduate. So mm. you're a hundred percent accurate about that. The review is, Oh, I get it. It's about the birth of the fuck boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And and yeah. that's sort of the thing. It, I don't know if we've strayed away from this, like type, this philosophy in filmmaking, or if it's just a bit less prevalent where it's just, you're just there with people and it's just so the, the people are so just bad and off and like it, you're just kind of following these people and there isn't like really any moral there isn't really any point it's like i, I guess the safty brothers are doing this too and the mm. the cohen yeah. brothers sort of do this in a lot of cases yeah. and that's might be sort of like why those sort of filmmakers really gain purchase in addition to like their other positive aspects. But that sort of sensibility of this new Hollywood era and previously what it's like drawing on that you're the birth of the anti-hero mm. and the uh, pointless movie it's not a pointless yeah. movie, but you know, yeah. kind of. I, I think like, I know what you yeah, mean. It's, like, it's, that does make sense. Like I, it, I kind of do get that feeling. It's from making like, its point in a weird way. Yeah, but like I guess I do get that because if I think about the only Safety movie I've seen about like Uncut Gems, wow, mm. I couldn't think of the name for a second. That was sad. Or the lesser Cohen movies that I've seen. If that is still a comparison, like yeah, like. I don't feel like I like I get a point out of them. Hmm. But I do have a good time still. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, are, they are full of people who suck. Like like Lewin <laughs> Davis is an interesting. That one. one's kind of a standout. I feel but like. it's like an outlier. I think the difference between the like the modern antihero and this is that you do kind of still like, or even if you don't like, you feel for and kind of root for the character. Mm-hmm. Like Lewin Davis, you're like kind of a dick, kind of something. I don't know, yeah. but like. I feel for so, this character yeah, and I appreciate this and qualities. I see this character as a person and, and, and mm-hmm. recognize their humanity in a way that is more significant than just like, I don't even just, I hate this person, yeah. but I feel like somebody like, like Guido or Ben, you're just like, no, I, I think by the <laughs> end, I just, I really hate them well, like just entirely. And I don't care. And that's sort of how these films show their age because I think that they were like relatable characters at the time. Mm. They were characters mm. that like the male audience could find sympathetic but also would like see the flaws in because like it's a very like theatrical sort of protagonist like you read a bunch of 20th century plays or older plays plays are kind of written like this that's a good point yeah it this definitely does feel like yeah anything (laughs) that i've read from the 20th century i mean like I kind of, there are some aspects of this that give me like Arthur Miller vibes mm. or, you know, or whatever. Although I feel like maybe there's more of a point to Arthur Miller in, in some ways, but whatever. Anyway, mm. but yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I think our, our standards of, of who is a good and not a good person has changed. And that makes movies yeah. like this a bit harder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they don't, it's just not good people. Like, just no. Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting piece that the ethics that we sort of have going into like art appreciation now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know in the 20th century if there were ethics. That's mm-hmm. like why uh, filmmakers like Woody Allen and Roman Polanski were like still so celebrated even after like their activities kind of came to light where it there wasn't like a widespread sort of like ethics to consumption. There was, but it was like, I don't know. Are you it, gay? <laughs> it was, wasn't it like, isn't it, was it like, different? Yeah. It was just like, if, yeah, if you're, well, I mean, okay, there were, cause there, there were, because things like the great dictator and like Charlie Chaplin would get yeah. boycotted. It's just that they're it's, almost the opposite of what our yeah, perspectives eth- okay, are now. Yeah. The ethics are there. You're right. It's just it's those different. are the ethics that we have flipped. Like like Charlie Chaplin was ranting against um, like Hitler and shit. And that was controversial and sort of not well received in a lot of ways. And he didn't like fascism and that wasn't very well received. And, and now in Hollywood... Y- somebody who does support fascism would be the person that gets boycotted. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a difference between like the blacklist that wound up happening yeah. in the McCarthy era uh-huh. where it was like filmmakers who were seen as communist or s- supporting like socialist ideas. Mm-hmm. And now it, it's the same behavior, but it's kind of, uh, well, it's, it's not really the same behavior because it's not like, the government doing anything or really the studios doing anything. They're just trying to appeal to like the change in the public perspective. Right. Mm. Yeah. 
it's 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 cluttered <laughs> life is cluttered yeah. and and the reception of art is also cluttered because there's an aspect to which it's about ethics and there's an aspect to which our ethics are sort of societally determined and subjective they're not entirely but there's an aspect to which they are and then there's also whether or not it just happens to subjectively work for you emotionally in a way that you wanted mm-hmm. and so it's it's i don't know, it's hard to say yeah it's why some people still really appreciate it yeah. and a half and why i will never watch it again well i'm really curious because i think we can all sort of agree that all of the films that we we've seen throughout this you know the decades they they all have they had value back then they're on the list because they had some sort of value or impact and i think they still do have value but in like like we're looking at them back now and we're trying to gain a specific value it's a different value it and is what, like what changed. value does that actually have now yeah you know yeah I, I do feel like we're some to, there's an extent to which, especially in the '60s, we've been getting different things from these films than the power that they had at the time. Yeah, like going back to Eight and a Half, the value of Eight and a Half now might not be the same as it was back then. But I think there is value in actually having that conversation about yeah. like the the ethics of mm-hmm. art and what misogyny on screen looks like and actually does. Yeah, I, I think that's. Yeah, no, it, it these all these all feel like conversations worth having, even if I think for all of us in, in different films and different parts of, of the the journey, the sixties have been very hard. <laughs> Not yeah. very fun. <laughs> different ways. I think every one of these, one of us has been a bit like really <laughs> lukewarm on. Like yeah. tepid. <laughs> yeah. Show me the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I'm just like what uh there it is. Okay. There it is. It do be a movie. Oh no. What you what you vibing on, Hunter? Yeah. He's giving us them vibes. Them vibes. Right I, I always I want to hear what question. he has to say, but every time I ask oh, a specific question, I don't know. it doesn't actually do anything. I, I know, I'm sorry. I feel like I had yeah. more things to say this time in general. You did. Uh yeah. I don't know if I have more to say on this particular topic. Uh, I feel like you guys got it. Well, I'm gonna donkey lip it. <laughs> so don't d- take this as being like impertinent or anything. But yeah. I, you don't strike me as someone who has like things to say, but someone who is good in conversation <laughs> and is good at producing meaning through yeah. like reacting to other people's uh, things. And that's just kind of how you're. You Your make a very content production point. tends to sometimes, yeah, tends to work. I, I, I don't have a. L- <laughs> Sorry, it's just really like you're t- you're right, and it's a compliment, and what you're I, saying is good. But it's also funny that you started it by saying it's. You don't seem like something that has things to say. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I yeah, that bit. like oh dear. Also, I, you can cut out the bit where I said I'm gonna donk lip it when I was. No, the microphone. Leave it in. No, please. <laughs> Put in and double it. Yep. <laughs> no, please. 
I'm gonna vocode it. There's so many. <laughs> there's so many things that I've said in here that I'm just <laughs> hoping, like crossing my fingers, uh, that you just cut out. Um, like you just kind of see, just gauge that. Yeah. Oh, but no, you no, probably no. won't. Leave them all in. And I'm gonna die. Like uh, I'm generally like, oh, I was stupid on that episode. Ow, but yeah. I don't generally want to cut everything out that I've said. Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've had so many of those episodes. We're now in the same thing. For once, oh, man. I feel like I'm actually learning from my past podcast experience and learning yeah. how to have a conversation in the podcast rather yeah. than just like try and figure out what I what I think about it while just talking out loud. At least yeah. one person needs to feel like they're putting their foot in their mouth in an episode. Yeah. <laughs> so I really appreciate that I mean, you like aren't feeling that way anymore. And so now yes. I have to, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. Well, oh, no. hopefully I, Anna will start doing that soon. How how many toes do you have in your mouth, Hunter? Uh, two. Two. Chill. Which ones? One of them's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> you, might, you probably really Who's feel like it now. Who's <laughs> Only one of them. <laughs> now you've got a whole several feet that, in your mouth I don't know what that, that means. I just wanted to say it. Oh, it's great. It's It implies so much. <laughs> it yeah. really but implies you like, have a foot fetish. I don't, oh, that's yeah, all I'm exactly, exactly. Yeah. Tarantino. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Or Dan Schneider. So is that is the Quinn Tarantino foot fetish thing like an urban legend or is it like something that's probably real. true? Like that's I honestly can't tell. Case. I think it has enough. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what the <laughs> evidence is, but <laughs> I'm pretty you sure. can you you can cameo because you're walking by. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. The foot thing is real. I can confirm it. Can't tell you how. <laughs> Remember, remember <laughs> have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Now, folks. Remember, remember um, Brad Pitt's Oscar acceptance speech? No. For Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I don't think I ever and saw it. Did and he make reference to yeah, it? Yeah, because he what? was like, you know, he's like calling out other like people uh-huh. on, in the movie. He's like, you know, thanks to like Margot Robbie, Margaret Qualley, Margaret Qualley's feet, <laughs> like on stage wow. on live television being like, like stuff like that because there are just it's so blatant in well, that movie it's such a culturally accepted like, bit i yeah. honestly can't tell anymore like it's, I, I assumed it was just like oh funny joke he has feet in his movies a lot but like everyone says it it's it's hard to not think that i i feel like there must be some other harder evidence than just the movies that you know goes off of it but like yeah just like knowing that in my head and watching once upon a time in hollywood it just was like every time some girl's feet are just like very prominently on screen and i'm just like oh my god (laughs) did you have to do that or i don't know get a little bi curious with it like just make it a little even have everybody well no so i think brad's pit brad pit like slips off his shoes and like puts them up on like the side of a car at one point Okay, like like probably. it is okay i don't think it's that specifically that's gender. probably true yeah i yeah i got too specific but that, yeah first, i don't know why that makes it more okay in my head but it does <laughs> i think so well it might more, just be more like equality. an aesthetic fetish where it's not like it's not like a sex thing but it is like a oh i just like how feet look <laughs> it just looks so pretty sort of thing know, yeah. you know oh, well. I, something made me extremely uncomfortable about hearing that feet just look so pretty. I know. That's the thing that makes it so notable because everyone else is like, I don't want to see feet. And Quinn turns to you and just puts it there and you're like, does this guy have a problem? Who wants to look at feet? Who wants to look at feet? And thus we wonder. 
as, you know, having a special interest. This movie does have feet in it. The Graduate, does famous it? shot. Famous stocking shot. Also, oh. like, yeah, sh- the poster shot. Wasn't that a thing? I was say, that feels more leggy than Well, it is, is more leggy. I but feel the, like there's a foot like at a the end of every leg. In that time. Except like for a, our, our delightful people who don't have feet at the end of their legs. I'm sorry if I, I, <laughs> if I was mean to you. Well, I, I feel like that's... I see that that... I, I don't remember where I heard that, but like legs were more of like a... like sexual thing in in popular culture at the what time than they are now were i like, remember something no, in our right. homeschool group you know? about like tablecloths were invented because they thought that if men saw table legs they would get too turned on yeah like it was like more of a thing go back and you watch like movies where they have like a a strip tease strip show sort of thing and it might just be, be because they weren't allowed to show as much but the the focus of the show is on the legs. Yeah. yeah. Well, then there's that line from that Shin song, just a glimpse of an ankle and I react like it's 1805. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it, it's like, yeah, there's like, that was, you know, having to wear long dresses and whatever. And now people just kind of casually yeah. wear yoga pants yeah. or like pretty short it, shorts. It's almost yeah. like, like legs are the, the clothing acceptable. isn't inherently sexual. It's just that people aren't used to seeing certain things at certain points in time yeah so and once you get used to it it stops being sexual yes and that's i mean obviously they cover that in like uh the stormlight archive how like there's a such a thing as a safe hand (laughs) yeah where there's one (laughs) hand like uh, the right hand is totally fine yeah totally normal not a sexual object but a woman's left hand is it has to be like yeah, there's just a weird... you can't even wear like a glove if you're like of high enough class like that's yeah, pretty scandalous. Kind of scandalous because you can still see the shape of it. Yeah, they usually just cover it with fabric and cloth, but it's just like a yeah. weird cultural. And that's like artifact. seeing somebody naked is mm-hmm. yeah. Like, like, there are moments like when someone will like catch a glimpse of like the, someone's right. safe hand and they're like, oh god, that's what the left <gasps> hand of darkness means. <gasps> <gasps> no! I just got the audiobook on Audible. Nice. I will have listened to your favorite that's book interesting. Yeah, soon. I really don't think that that book works in an audiobook context. So let me know because i feel like I'll, the I'll prose see. is very like much ready but well, i've tried reading it before it's just that i haven't actually finished hard. a book i've read since <laughs> like fifth grade yeah so <laughs> i have that's to do fair. audiobooks um but yeah no but i also think that that's like like in a lot of different cultures like breasts are not like a sexual object mm-hmm. yeah like they're nobody wears a shirt and it's fine yeah and yeah. it's not considered it's, right. it's it's all about cultural perception so i feel yeah. like that does have some kind of power yeah. which which does make me like question a lot like uh being raised in a very conservative background there's always this this thing placed on that a woman's body is sexual whereas a man's isn't yeah. a, a man's body is sexual when it is doing the sex and a woman's body is inherently sexual but i really feel more and more that that is purely a social like a, a oh, yeah. so, oh, social yeah. construction yeah. Like yeah. that, no, for whatever reason, because of patriarchy, I guess, we've decided to sexualize the hell out of women's bodies. I remember um, when we were, when I was like doing the uh, the college thing for high school and mm-hmm. hearing about other like kids from like Christian homeschool families who were going into that, who were concerned about art classes covering <gasps> yeah. nudity in art where it is completely 
not sexual, not erotic in any way at all. There Mm -hmm. just happens to be naked people because it's classic art and they just like to draw naked people because the human form is interesting and beautiful. And they were like, oh, God, I don't want my child to see these things. I've was like, I've why people have problems with Michelangelo's David? <laughs> yeah, from like a moral just, perspective, it's just the dude. Well, like, in like... my <laughs> conservative high school anatomy and physiology course, the sexual reproduction chapter was optional. Like it, it <laughs> wasn't covered in class. They're like, you can cover on your own if you want to. Weird, interesting. And, Which you know, and of what course, do they do? Do they like split the classes between like assigned gender? <laughs> no, no, no. They just, it was in the book and we never talked about it. And you could yeah. look at it on your own and see the very, like, I hope unsexual pictures of like bisected human beings <laughs> with like their goopy parts just hanging out. And you're like, yeah, I'm definitely going to be turned on by like a, a half a testicle and like <laughs> a weird balloon that is filled with blood and weird muscles uh, that's Pretty it's fun. so scandalous i <laughs> i think i think the point of of this conversation is that sex is meaningless <laughs> i have two more comments on the leg discussion let's talk about legs two points of reference okay one being a christmas story in which there is the famous leg Egg lamp, yeah. which dad is infatuated with. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is very uh-huh. kind of amusing. Um, I don't particularly care for that movie, but I do remember that bit. Yeah. Yeah. And also, there's a bit, I think, in the SpongeBob movie where Patrick is very tall and has stockings and is yeah. uh, doing a performative dance. And I'm just like, well, that's, I guess, how that has changed. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) he's got his long fishnets and boots on it's very fancy and it's meaningless and it's in children's entertainment yeah and i'm just like okay and i guess because that's kind of always been children do you think that would be boycotted if that was like no i don't know it's just this sort of a weird thing where i'm like okay maybe it was just there and clearly it's being a joke in the spongebob context yeah and it must have been more of a thing but it, it does seem like it would have been an easy thing to sort of fetishize easier perhaps than other parts of the body because women couldn't wear pants for a long time (laughs) yeah Mm. stuff would have been more more interesting but anyway yeah i don't know what the point is i think it's interesting because it does also probably change the perspective perception of this movie because Hmm. that scene is i guess famous it's on the poster or whatever yeah and maybe that's supposed to be some sort of like sensual part of the film it doesn't read as such no I, I mean, I'm not really one to speak anyway, but like it does. I mean, there's that one shot on uh, where they're at the bar and it like shoots him through like her leg on top of the bar. Yeah. And um, that's like very specifically like uh, when he's like, Mrs. Robinson, are you trying to seduce me? And he gets really oh, flustered. Yeah. And, and that like feels pointed, I guess. It feels like a trick it it feels tricky it feels a bit (laughs) gimmicky as like a shot yeah but also like it it works like i don't it does all ground like all of that stuff is very much grounding that their relationship is purely physical they are not doing what they're doing because they're friends they're doing it because they want to bang yeah (laughs) 
and that's it. <laughs> which, is, which is a big thing. I think that's why Mrs. Robinson is so against him dating her daughter because he reali- he, she realizes he's like just a piece of meat and he's garbage. And he's like, I don't want my daughter to, to marry this fool. Yeah. And maybe she was right. <laughs> yeah well that's i really sympathize with Mi- mrs robinson like yeah. she performs a lot of actions that are very like iffy but like yeah. i could totally see like her sp- perspective through the most thing because by the end i was definitely like i i, I think i would have liked this really movie should. more if she was a perspective character mm. like I, I think for mm-hmm. me i would have been a less like I, I think it would have aged film. a bit better. It would have aged mm, better. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You know. Make it 20 minutes longer or more. <laughs> I don't know what the point of that was. Make it two hours. I'm going to cut that out. Because <laughs> I'm like, no, this is like pretty economic. This is like yeah. hour 45. It was it's nice not watching like... a movie that was under two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I know, For right? In the 60s? Wow. In the 60s? Wow. In this Gee, Merry Christmas. What well, what if what if the next movie is only ninety minutes? Oh what? It's two thousand one a space <sighs> odyssey. Which is like fuck. Eight hours. Long boy. It is albeit, um it is one of the long movies that I'm totally fine with being long. It also has parts. I've only seen it once and it was in IMAX, so I'm gonna yeah. just like yeah. I'm just going to brag about that right now. It. it was oh, so uncomfortable in IMAX. We'll get to Ooh. that. We'll get to that. It's about teaser for next two week. and a half hours. looks like that's not that bad. Yeah, I guess it's not it's terrible. Not, terrible. not as bad as that. Uh, Andre Rublev, which and, is uh, one of those long yeah. movies. I totally don't mind being long too. Right. Yeah. Or huh? return of the King. Four and a yeah, half hours, baby. For the extended that's, edition. Yeah. yeah. So the theatrical edition was only like three and a half. I am so Ooh. happy that that won Best Picture. Like, it's still probably the yeah. best Best Picture yes. winner of that decade. Yes. Right? Probably. The Oscars has I always been about. pretty shit at Best Picture. Like, they had Casablanca. They had The Return of the King. They had... Parasite was a good pick. Parasite. Parasite. Um, and I, I, I'm happy with Nomadland this year. I'm less so happy with Nomadlands this year. I but... think between the options of their nominations, yeah, if it's between Sound of Metal, Nomadland, Minari, I don't care too much. I think mm. any of those could deserve it. I, I, I kind of hoped Minari would win. Mm. Yeah, Minari's fun. Did you see it? I haven't yet. Then you don't even know. I, I kind of think the more that I've sat with them, I think Nomadland is a better film. But anyway, <sighs> it's fine. We can watch it sometime. I've seen Nomadland. I mean Minari. Oh, yeah. I'm just waiting for it to drop below the $20 rental fee. (laughs) Lord. So I want to give them money, but I don't want to give them that much money. (laughs) Because that's definitely not going to the filmmakers. That's so true. Well, you can give them money anyway. Yeah, I just need to track them down, stalk them like Ben in this movie, and just like hand them money. And just say, when are you marrying me? <laughs> when are you marrying me? Are, uh, do you think you're going to marry me? Maybe. 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 Ma- ma- are, are we going to get married tomorrow? <laughs> oh, man, I hate him. I hate it. Oh. I I guess my feeling on this movie is is like, I don't hate it like eight and a half or something, but also can it not? Like, it's fine, mm. but also it's not. Like I, It's like not I'm, something you're going to watch I'm for fun in your free time. I'm not offended by it. But I also 
and I, it's not like it was an entirely joyless experience, but also like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. And I think that's fair maybe of me to have those feelings. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Do we have more thoughts before this, like whatever this is comes to an end? I think that movies. That's it. That's it. Hell Chill. yeah. Well, uh, well, we can all get behind. The best boy finds ah, the quote. Oh shit. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Movieoverloadpod.com got all the socials. All the socials. It's not true, but. Well, it oh wait, no, yes, does, sorry, doesn't yeah. It? yeah, sorry, no, the website does. Yeah, my phone. Go to the website. Let's see if I can find, find all the socials. Um, at One some point, power. we're gonna produce Patreon content. At the moment, it's, gonna be it's just a a little a, a little button that you can click to give us money. You know, <gasps> yes, do if that. If you just want to give us money, yeah, for free, for free, <laughs> uh, costs you we nothing have to give us money. some <laughs> ideas in the works, but uh, all of us are. Uh, garbage. Honestly, we're, we're all we fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we keep yep. coming up with ideas for things, and uh, every time we're like, that would that would that would take a lot of energy. Yeah, <laughs> we don't. Have time. And we, uh, we, we don't we honestly we have that to. much confidence uh, that people would actually give us more money if we put anything there, anyways. <laughs> because this. As everyone knows, this is not a podcast for you. This is a podcast for us. This if, is our hobby this is that thing. we do in our free time. This is so we get together once a week yeah, and yeah, talk true. about a movie. Because we don't see each other enough. It's the only reason I watch movies. I sent, mm, I sent Chicken Brent or, or Freg uh, my like <laughs> most recent Absolute four movies. Milf that make on, <laughs> on my, my most recent four movies are from oldest to newest, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Bonnie and Clyde, Osmosis Jones... <laughs> And now The Graduate. That's a good collection. <laughs> because Hannah <laughs> Hannah randomly watched Osmosis Jones oh, the other day, and gotcha. I was like, I've been wanting to rewatch this. That I'm movie makes it. me so uncomfortable. It's really weird, oh but goodness. I kind of like I it. I feel like throwing up when I think it's about not, that bit in it, the movie where yeah. his acne explodes. <sighs> it's not a good movie, but like... I just, like I said in my review, I think I just kind of have a soft spots for just those early 2000s yeah. animated I know movies you that do. I grew up with. Yeah. And I kind of had fun with it. And yeah. I kind of like some of the animations. I would probably have similar feelings, but it's like, it's not, it's not on the level of like MFKZ or something like that, but it's one of those movies yeah. that you watch and you're just like, uh, it's got uh, some <laughs> weird things going on. Uh, Again, not a good movie. But it's still but of, maybe good. I don't know. I don't but know. it does have an uncredited Bill Murray being gross. He's uncredited. What? Yeah. He's like Fun a fact. he's like a main character. Yeah. No, that's the weird thing about it. Uh, it had something to do with like rights. Huh. You might have specifically asked that's not to be credited. Very bizarre. Because he's, he's a like, Bill Murray and he, is, he likes doing. He, is he does on funky all the things. Funky, funky junk. I was like, yeah, I remember him being in it a lot, but. Weird. He's yeah. the one who they're uh, taking care of. He's yeah. the one who's being gross. Right. He's technically in the entire movie. <gasps> yeah, he is. Because they're inside his animated remains. <laughs> yeah, almost. But like seeing like the voice cast again of that movie, like seeing that Lawrence Fishburne is the bad guy. And I'm yeah. like, what? But he's like doing a very different mm. kind of performance as that character than I mm. usually hear him doing. And it's very weird. 
It, when's the last time you saw Lawrence Fishburne in something that uh, wasn't John Wick? I was going to say, I think I would go to a John Wick immediately. I don't know, though. Like, it's been a long time. I know he was uh, in them DC movies a little bit. Hmm. Was uh, he? Yeah. Cause I he's... think I saw him pop up in, like, a couple TV, mm-hmm. like, shows. Huh. Interesting. I feel like he hasn't done much lately. Yeah, he's P- Perry something. He's, like, the, the newspaper guy that Lois works for. Yeah, you Man right. Steel oh, you're right. Yeah. BBS. League. Yeah. He just pops up occasionally. It just he uh-huh. he a lot, does isn't doing there. like big things that much. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, do you have a quote for us? Yeah, I have a couple. Hey, so I got a piece of advice mm. for you. If my phone wakes up for me, there is a great future in plastics. <laughs> think about it. Will you think about it? But there was so there was that. Mm. But then I saw at the top. There's also the one where he says, "I find you very desirable. I think you are the most desirable of all my parents' friends." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was so good. I was like, yeah. "That's such a great, like, awkward, good line." I like, that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, there you go. That's what I got. If there's anything that I'm not qualified to talk on, it's <laughs> sexual politics. <laughs> uh, thanks everybody Yay. for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Sexuals of the world unite. <laughs> Although that is interesting that 2001 came out before the moon landing. <laughs> interesting. That's why everyone thought Kubrick <laughs> faked it. Oh. I just... They like, oh, they saw it there and they're like, well, we can't quite get it yet, but we know Kubrick can, can hire this guy. Can do it. And that's what the theory is, even though like. See, I would have thought it was the other way around. I would have thought 2001 would be like in the early 70s. And mm-hmm. because they yeah. would think of the moon landing as like. Exper- film experimentation yeah. and, and preparation for that film but i'm wrong yeah objectively i mean the first movie that we did was a trip to the moon it's just like yeah people have been like, obsessed with going to the moon people have been while. able to film convincingly looking <laughs> like you're on the moon for years <laughs> terribly convincing i honestly thought that they went up to the moon when no. i watched that see i think i was so sure the main like bullet and in the head of the Kubrick did the fake the moon landing thing is that if he did do it, it would have gone insanely over budget, insanely over time. Uh, and everyone would have known that he did it by now. Like, yeah, there's no way that they're keeping that hushed up. That's true. Also, why would, I mean, I guess I don't know what he, where he was at that point in his career, but wasn't he like an expat? Like, didn't he, like he was American, but he moved to live in England, like for like his the entirety uh, of his life, and he was more kind of a British citizen than an American citizen, especially in his own mind. So I think I think it's weird that he would be like tied into like American conspiracies like that. It's, it's weird how little conspiracy theories seem to make sense when you think about them for a while. Hmm. Huh. Like like it's kind of a compelling idea. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like oh, if that were true, yeah, that would be like such an interesting like almost like a almost like thinking about like a story plot narrative being like wow so intriguing but like does it really make sense like not so much well how did they do it then magic oh how did they fake the moon landing well how did they get because wasn't it live on television 
or was it just filmed? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I thought it was. Well, I don't because know. wait, I got. But how did they do that? that? Well, what do you mean? Maybe. Well, maybe I'm dumb because I know they had like TV. Yeah. yeah. But like, they also had film cameras. Mm-hmm. Right. So how did they get? I, I'm realizing how dumb I am. <laughs> But like, well, how no, are they recording kind of on film you, and having it be transmitted? It's me. It's uh, the sound of me googling things. Because at that point, to, they should be able to do digital, right? If they're able to. It's. I think at that point it was sort of like a combined process. Hmm. Like it was. Um, film. I I honestly don't know either. Because that's really because now we would obviously yeah. just use the internet and it would be whatever, but we're using yeah. digital f- footage. But how they translate that over to yeah, now I'm a bit curious ways. how uh, and also how the they have the ability to transmit work. that to the earth from the it's well, cool. I mean, it's it's just cool. Yeah, like it wouldn't be as cool now, and it isn't as cool now when it happens. But mm-hmm. but it was. I mean, it's so cool to think about that happening then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How NASA broadcast Neil Armstrong live from the moon. I'm getting the impression that it was basically live. That's so cool. That's so. F- imagine nutty. being. The- okay, well, that's the thing that we we t- people talk about is like, well, I mean, boomers got to see them land on the moon, mm. you know, mm. and like. What did we get? We got we got nine eleven, you know, like that wasn't even old enough to take in that event. I mean, no we were like five or something. Pride in humanity's yeah, it was like three or four. It was like a Just month before I was born or something. Maybe that's a good thing, though. Yeah, it was a few, it was a few weeks before I was born. <laughs> I, so right. I don't know that, but that like has to have like a a generational traumatic effect, like being in embryo or oh, yeah. whatever well, <laughs> or being I, uh, being in in, in I utero i think the biggest yeah. thing is that the people raising you and the world around you is a very different like s- state of affairs and there is a very different mindset if yeah. you're like oh we went to the moon uh but also they did have the cold war yeah but like and everyone was constantly just terrified that they were going to get nuked true. yeah but i mean i grew up thinking that because uh, because of like things like nine eleven, I I remember growing up and hearing planes fly overhead mm-hmm. every time there was a plane flying overhead being like I mean, there is an Air Force base like somewhat mm-hmm. close. I wonder if they bombed w- would the bombs reach me? Mm. Yeah. I no, like there's definitely that. I remember that all throughout I, my childhood. I definitely do not ever remember feeling like that. Oh really? I don't feel like I was like aware of things like nine eleven for a mm. very long time. Yeah, I don't really? know. I was maybe I was just like pessimistic and well, we were in a, I don't know. Oh, it the two, when I get to the two thousands, it, it's curious because we're in a weird cultural place because it was post Columbine, post yeah. uh, nine eleven, and there there are just a lot of specific incidents around that point that just really changed the social like landscape. Mm-hmm. And the way that everyone's kind of like, and we're kind of. I feel like we're in another one. Yeah. Like I feel like I feel like. Oh COVID yeah, this is of that this, this is definitely going to have a big yeah. impact on like the uh, Zoomy Woomers. Yeah, even if, when everybody's next. vaccinated and we move on and it's fine, 
it's not and everything will be different yeah like completely uh-huh and well the people will look back and they'll be watching leave it to beaver and they'll be like not only is it weird that like he was just like allowed to like go out and do stuff <laughs> but like they're just rolling around in the mud and they're like shaking hands and like spitting on their hands <laughs> and like yeah. you know yeah like all that's gonna like terrify people like like it does not i mean are we ever I mean, going to get to a point in society where we're not like well i don't know if you've been out and about Mm. But people have been all too quick to oh, stop yeah. wearing masks. It, it's oh, I know that very, yeah. very regularly. So, like, right? Zoe and I went to Elitch's over the weekend. I don't know if it will be as changed and stuff like that as much as I might think that it would be. It's freaking insane. I but I mean structurally, like, like, like the sure. effect, like that we're talking about, like some of with nine eleven and Columbine um, are those types of instances where it's like, okay, but TSA. Okay, but we're constantly getting, like, training about school shootings, and we're hearing about school shootings now all the time, and, you know, we experience lockdowns. We've all experienced lockdowns, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's, like, an active shooter or something. Yeah. More or less, yeah. Yeah. Like, these are things that are realities that they never had before. True. So, I still think that there are those kinds of structural differences about society that are going to exist Mm -hmm. in, in regards to our health. And it's probably hard to pinpoint exactly what that looks like right now, but I think it'll yeah. be pr- pretty easy to look back in a few years or like 10 years or whatever yeah. and be like, oh man, remember in like 2017 when we could just whatever, or that was just something that mm. we normally did. And mm. now that now we just don't do that. True. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see what that's going to be. Yeah. It's almost like part of me almost like hopes that something like that happens, but wonders if it would be hard because I feel like there was so much like kickback against like the authorities, so to speak, on like health and stuff when all this yeah. was happening, being like, you know, with the smart people being like, hey, guys, it would probably be good if you just like did these few simple things and having a lot of people be like, uh, no, <laughs> right. you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. But I also feel like a lot of people still maybe have problems with like like, people trying to prevent school shootings like everybody gets up in arms about no i I won't change anything about my life for that too but it doesn't mean that like life isn't different still yeah Yeah. you know like there are always going to be naysayers and people who don't want to have anything change but that doesn't mean that things don't change indeed 